Well, good morning. It's good to be with you guys. We weren't able to be here last week. We were down in LA for a friend's wedding, and um, but it's good to be back, and it's good to see um, all of you, and to see um, our family in Christ, and to be with you, and to sing again um, the worship. Uh, just a couple words this morning from the worship that I that really hit me, and uh, we'll be looking at a little bit this this morning. And I want us to think on these words: "O oh, trampled death, where is your sting?" Amen. Where is the sting? Because God has sent his son to put it, put it out. The blazing sun shall pierce the night. God, when he returns, he will pierce the night and he will be the sun. He will be that light for us in the world that has turned dark. Amen. So if you would please this morning, turn with me. You might already be there. Ephesians chapter 5. I thank uh, my dad for reading that text this morning. I asked him to read that so that we, um, because I will be referring to that text quite a bit this morning and we'll be looking back. But as you'll remember, um, you may remember (laughs) because it was a long time ago, but um, a few months ago in February or March, um, the last time I was here, I preached on Ephesians chapter 5 and we looked at the first few verses of uh, Ephesians 5. And so this morning, I'd like to continue to move through the book or the chapter of Ephesians chapter 5. So if you would please join me as I read um, Ephesians 5, 1 through 21 this morning. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But... Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always in everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This morning, we're going to take a, a few minutes just to review a little bit and go back over the first few um, verses. And I want to take the time this morning to answer one question. As we work through this passage, as we work through this text, 
uh, or Ephesians 5, the, the um, chapter of Ephesians 5, there's one overarching theme, and that theme is what is the greatest calling of a believer? And this morning, I want to continue. Um, last time in February, we looked at this, and we began to look at what are the things in this text that the Lord talks about as being an imitator of Christ. We see in verse 1, therefore, be imitators of Christ as beloved children. And you may remember that um, in February, we looked at this text, and I used the example of a child, because um, as you see here, Paul also used the example of a child. The children um, walk as children, okay, and walk in love. That's the first thing. So as a child, you think about um, children, and you think about yourself, and whether we like it or not, who we spend time with, our parents, we're going to imitate that person. If you spend a lot of time with someone, um, whether it's a friend, a parent, or um, whoever it is, you're going to eventually start to like the same things as them. You're going to eventually start to act like them. You're going to talk like them. Some of you in the crowd this morning may be thinking, wow, this, he's a lot like uh, my dad, right? I'm a, I can be a lot like my dad. Maybe my mannerisms or the way I talk or the way I preach. That's because I grew up with him and I imitate him whether I like it or not, <laughs> okay? So God, the highest calling of a believer is that we imitate our God because he is the only perfect example. No matter what I do as a sinner, I will always be flawed. No matter who I imitate on this earth, whether it be my dad or whether it be my friends and whoever we imitate, whether it be one of us in the church, our church family, we will always be flawed, because that's in our nature. And so there's only one person who we can look to to look to the perfect example. And so this morning, that's what we're gonna be looking at, and we will be, our main text will be in Ephesians 5, and we'll be in verses eight through 14. But before we get to that, it's important that we remember what we learned um, in the first seven verses. So, verse number two, um, if, if you remember, there's three overarching themes to the first 21 verses, and those are, the theme is walk. Learn how to walk. The first one is to walk in love. Everything stems from love. As we're going to see this morning, um, we're going to see it in the fruits of the Spirit. The first fruit of the Spirit, love, all right? We walk in love because when we walk in love, it encompasses all. So walk in love, verse 8, which we'll be looking at today, Walk in light. Walk as children of the light. And then the final one is in verse 15. Walk not as unwise, but walk as wise. And so those are the three overarching themes that we will be discussing. And so this morning, I'm going to focus our time on the, the second of those. But um, as I said, let's go through the first one a little bit. How to be imitators. Where else in the Bible does it tell us to be imitators of Christ? You may know that the book of Ephesians, it starts off with what God um, has done for us, what he did for us, how um, and what is being done in our lives. It's a lot of theological and deep themes. The second part of the book, the last three chapters, chapters four through six, where we're at this morning, these are how we should live our lives. Because of the things that we did or that Christ has done for us, now, how do we live according to those things that he did for us? And so this is the first thing. 
In chapter four, verse one, the first part of this practical section, it says this. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. There's that theme again, walk. Walk worthy of the manner that you've been called. And so this morning and throughout the text, we will walk and we will walk through the text and we will learn how to walk as members worthy of the glory of God. Colossians 1.10, so as to walk in a worthy manner of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in knowledge of God. Matthew 5.48, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. First Peter 1.16, be holy because I am holy. And then Ephesians 4.32, what we just read a moment ago, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as Christ, as God in Christ has forgiven you. So you'll see that our overarching theme of these first seven verses is to walk in love. And as I mentioned, we've looked at this already, but I did... Because it's been such a long time, I want to look at it just briefly before we get into our main text. So if you're already in um, Ephesians chapter 5, we see in verse 2 that we are to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You may remember last time we looked at the two meanings of love in the Bible, all right, two main meanings in the, uh, of love, of the word love in the Bible. The first one being the word phileo. You may have heard this word. Um, it is a Greek word that means to be a friend, to be acquainted to. Webster's puts it like this, and, and I, I, I enjoy being able to look at a secular source to see what they have to say about something that might not be as, um, as worldly as we think. But, so this is their definition of love, and I want you to pay close attention to the words that they use um, in this definition. Vallejo love, or love, is a strong affection for one another. It's attraction based on sexual desire, affection based on admiration, benevolence, or common interests. If it is true love, it will not be based on anything. It will not be based on what they do for us. It will be based on our choice to live and to love another. Some attributes of this type of love, it's self-pleasing. We're looking for the benefit of ourself. Many of us this morning may be friends, we may have friends, we may um, have um, spouses, and usually when, when you get to know someone really well, you find common interests. And so at the beginning, it may be more of an emotional thing, right? You, you have highs and you have lows and you, have, um, you, you work through things and you find uh, common interests and that's what leads you to be a friend. And so in this relationship, in this friendship that we see in this phileo type of love, it's all surface. It's emotional. You will have highs. You'll have lows You'll be all over, it always changing based on how you feel emotionally. It usually is based on how someone else is treating you, how they can benefit you. It's a very selfish love. If we were to look in the Bible and look at something that um, could represent this, we could look at the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was based on something that 
the Israelites were doing. If they obey God, God will then bless them. If they disobey God, then they will be disciplined and cursed. Um, And we see that in the book of Exodus. So it's a very conditional love. It's a very conditional love based on what you do for me and not what I can do for you. Then we looked, secondly, at the second type of love. And this type of love is the love that those in the world sadly do not understand. The second type of love is agape love. Agape love. And I want you to listen to this. Later down in Webster's Dictionary, as I mentioned before, secular source, someone, I I don't believe that he was a believer. Maybe I'm wrong. but, But as far as I know, okay, it's from just a source that, um, we can all go to and see this. But I want you to listen to the definition of love that was further down. Love, an unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another. It's the fatherly concern of God for mankind, or it's a brotherly concern for others, a person's adoration of God. You'll notice in that definition that never does it mention that it's us. Never does it mention that it's based on anything. Never does it mention that it's, it's about what we get out of it. It's all about the loving of another. It's all about God's love for us and what he did for us despite what we have done for him. Some of the attributes of this type of love would include self-pleasing. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. Selfless. Okay? It's selfless love. Agape love is a selfless love. Secondly, an agape love is a forgiving love. We think about what Christ did for us in the cross, and he died for us while we were sinners. But that's not the only thing that he did. What we need to see, what we understand, is that most of all, he gave us the ability to be forgiven. No matter what we do in this life, no matter what others do to us, this agape love says, no matter what you do to me, to hurt me, to um, whatever you do, my love for you will always be here. The phileo love is gonna go right here. It's gonna be all over the place. Phileo love is emotional. It's based on what you get. The agape love stays right here all the time. It's a choice that we make. It's a, it's a gift that God gives. He provides the ability to be able to love in a forgiving sense, no matter what others do to us, no matter what the world can do to us. It's merciful. It's humble. It's servant-like. It's always looking out for the benefit of others, never looking out for the benefit of yourself. And then if we looked at it from another standpoint, from the biblical terms, it would be like the new covenant. The new covenant which Christ has made for us, that when he forgives our sins, when we repent and we are forgiven of our sins, he, his love for us will remain the same always. It will never waver like the phileo love. It will never become emotional. He chose to love us while we were in our darkest state, Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then we move to the second portion of the text, which says Romans 5, or I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 7. 
and it's talking here about what the opposite of love is. What is the opposite of true love? And as you'll see, if you read down, we're not gonna read through it right now because we already read through it, but as you'll see, um, as you move down to the text, all of those types of love, all of those types of sins that we see in these few, few verses are very phileo love. They're very emotional. They're gonna, they're gonna go up, they're gonna go down, they're gonna be all over the place. But that's why God, ta- God tells us to walk in love. And then the final thing we see in verse two, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we ask ourselves, how do we know what true love looks like? How do we know what true love is? It says right here, we look to Christ as the greatest example of love. Now, I already read Romans 5, 8, first John, or John 15, 12 through 13. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is the type of love that God tells us to live by, not by our definition of love, not by the world's definition of love. Our love is not supposed to waver. Our love is the God love, the agape love. Our love stays right here all the time. No matter what we do to God, his love for us, for the church, and for his bride is right here. And so that's the kind of love that we're called to this morning. Now, as we get into our text, will you please bow with me in prayer um, before we go into walking in light? Lord in heaven, we're so thankful to be here this morning, to be able to be in your word, to be able to um, understand it and to um, take it in. I pray that you would just be over the, um, the service this morning. Please allow me to um, speak your truth. Help me to um, just... Um, your spirit to be um, working in me and to give the words to say. Lord, help the, um, the listeners to just um, to be able to take what you say through me and to be able to go throughout the week and to live their life according to you, according to love, according to the light, and according to um, uh, wisdom, Lord. I pray that you would bless this sermon, and I pray all these things in your name. Amen. September 11th. 2001, two towers standing tall on a day just like any other day. 7.30 a.m., approximately 50,000 people are going to their job in the World Trade Centers. 8 a.m. comes around and the normal hustle and bustle of a normal day begins like any other. But this was no ordinary day. 8.46 a.m., the first aircraft plunges into the North Tower. People around the nation begin to watch and to hear of what's transpiring and begin to watch in disbelief. Little do they know, 17 minutes later, a second aircraft would fly into the South Tower. 9.03 a.m., the South Tower is hit. In the next hour, first responders work fast and hard, sacrificing their safety and the safety of others, for the safety of others. A little over an hour after the first tower was hit, At 9.59 a.m., the South Tower had collapsed, and just the 30 minutes after, 
that at 10.28 a.m., the North Tower collapsed. In the next days and weeks, first responders worked hard to uncover the rubble. And when all the smoke had cleared and the rubble was removed, there were over 2,500 fatalities and 25,000 others injured, many being those who risked their lives to save others. In the years to come, America vowed to never forget what happened in that dark day in our history. Yesterday, we remembered, and it remarked our 20th anniversary, and since the dark day, and it, it was a tribute to all those who gave their lives, there are now two great lights, there are now two great lights that light up the, where the two World Trade Centers once stood every anniversary. These lights can be seen up to 60 miles away, and when they are seen, people know exactly what they represent and why, and we know that they remind us of the heroism of the men and women who gave their lives that day. As we walk through our text this morning, we are called to be lights, just like the two lights that stand where the World Trade Center stood 20 years ago. People all around can see what those lights stand for. They can see exactly where those lights are. As we can see in the text this morning that we are the light of the Lord and we represent him. The light of the Lord must be seen in all. When people look at us as the light, they should know exactly what we stand for. They should know what our light is about, and they should be able to see it from miles away. That's how we can live our lives. So this morning, as we're reading the text, we need to be thinking on these things. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 through 14 for at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. The second thing this morning, and if you're keeping notes, the first thing was walk in love. The second thing, the second main point of this text is to walk in light. What does it mean to walk in light? What does it look like to walk in light? Is there an opposite to light, and what does that look like? Are we living in light? Ephesians 2, 1 through 2, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Acts chapter 26, 17 through 18, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So you can see in these verses that we have two contrasting themes. We have the light and we have the darkness. And we see these themes throughout the entire Bible. And we see these themes throughout our text this morning. And so as we move through the text this morning, I want, we're going to look at these themes, and we're going to look at what the contrast between the dark and the light is. If you're keeping notes this morning, our first point will be, I have several different names because I couldn't just choose one, so feel free to take all of them or, um, or none, okay? But my first um, point is the past, the past, or the darkness, the darkness. Those are my two um, the two points, if you're taking notes this morning. 
John 12, 35 through 36 says this. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of the light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. I'm sure all of you have been in some situation in your life where you're in the middle of nowhere or you are in it, it just seems like it is absolutely dark, whether that be physical or spiritual. I'm sure that we've all gone through that this morning. And when we're in that darkness, whether it be physical or spiritual, just a small light is a huge beacon for those who are hurting or those who can't see. I remember um, there's, there's one, one time a few years ago that I was headed back. I was driving in the Nevada desert. And let me tell you, there is nothing in the Nevada desert, so I don't recommend it. But we were driving late at night, and we decided that we needed to stop because it was just pitch black. And we got out of our car, and we looked up to the sky. And God's amazing handiwork was sitting there. His stars, the, the moon. I, I don't think the moon was out actually that night, so it was just the stars. And I could see nothing around me other than the stars in the sky. And I knew that that was the only light that I could see. And so that was a beacon of a light. If you've ever been in the darkness and you've seen one small light, right? Someone mentioned to me this week that, and I haven't confirmed this, so you'll have to confirm it later. But um, someone mentioned to me that in complete darkness, if there were no lights whatsoever, you can see a candlelight up to about a mile away. And so if, that, if that's true, it's pretty amazing because darkness takes over everything. But when we see that small beacon of light, what do we do? We go towards it. We go towards it because that's the only thing standing in front of us lighting the path. And so we, as children of God, are to walk as children of the light so that others can see our light and can walk in our light, and they can use our light. Another example, you think of a lantern. You, if you've ever camped before and it's dark outside, you probably have a few lanterns, you have a flashlight. I shine a flashlight, I can only see in front of me. And so everything around me, when I hear the, uh, the cougar in the, in the woods, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to see it. But if I have my bright lantern out, it shines all around me. And everyone, it lights up the entire path. It lights up all around me. And everyone seeing that will, be, will feel safety. They'll feel safe inside of that beacon of light. And the flashlight, it only points in one direction. And so this morning, we are called to go in one direction, but we are called to be the light to those that are around us, headed in the other directions. And so our first point this morning is the darkness where do we see the darkness? What is the darkness? I have a couple um, points underneath the darkness, if you're, um, as I said, if you're taking notes this morning. And the first point is, where is the darkness found? Where can it be found? And I want you to read with me verse 8. This is very interesting and sad. Verse 8, for at one time you were darkness. You were darkness. Not you were in darkness, not you were walking by darkness, you were darkness. 
when we are an unbeliever, before Christ comes in us, as we're gonna see what happens when Christ lives within us and we're gonna see what Christ is and where the light comes from, but we are darkness. When we are not saved before our salvation, before we put on that new self, as uh, my dad read this morning in Ephesians chapter four, before we put on that new self in our old self, we are the darkness and we are walking in the darkness. And when others see us, we are living as those who are in the darkness. And so when we, when we look outside in, in, the, um, in the dark, when we're in the darkness and there's more darkness and there's more darkness and everyone around us is darkness, there's no one lighting the path. And so we cannot continue on that path or we're wandering aimlessly, having no light to guide our path, having no light at the end of the tunnel, having no light at the top of the hill to guide our path. We were darkness. But that's not all. He doesn't just leave it at that. And we will talk about this in in a moment. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and true. And now listen to verse 11. Um, Go down to verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. So where is it found? It's found in the unfruitful works of darkness. It's found in those who are apart from Christ. Um, Some of you may uh, appreciate this, but um, I just, I think as I was studying this week, I thought back to a movie that I had seen, and some of you may have also seen it, but it's the Batman Okay, Batman, the newer ones, um, the last one, I, I think it's Batman Rises or something like that. Or The Dark Knight Rises, there we go. The Dark Knight Rises. And there's a quote in there that I wanted to use, and I want, to, I want us to think about this quote this morning. The quote says, it's, it's, a, it's the bad guy talking to Batman. And he says, you think that darkness is your ally. You've merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't even see the light until I was a man, and by then it was only blinding. Isn't that true about our world this morning? That we are born into darkness, and that many, they don't see the light until very long long ways. Some may never see the light. But this morning, we are called to be that light for others to see. We are called to walk as children of the light, as Jesus was light. And we are called to be that light in the darkness. Matthew 6, 23. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then you, if then light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? How great is that darkness? Ephesians 6, 12. Um, as uh, just a little bit further in um, the book of Ephesians, it says this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So what is the darkness? Where is it found? It's found in everything that opposes God. It's found in us. It's found in the dark forces. It's found in the world, in the present darkness. That's what this verse says, the present darkness, We in this world are in present darkness. There are people around us who don't know the light and who can't see the light, and it is our job to show them that light. And then the the last, Matthew 8, 12, while the sons of the kingdom, 
the sons of earth, will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we're talking about hell. You can turn to Matthew 13, 42 and read that. And it talks about how there will be gnashing of teeth and there will be weeping in hell. Talking about hell. They will be cast into outer darkness. So where is the darkness found? It is found, we are darkness before we're saved. It is found in the kingdoms of darkness. And it is found in separation from God. The the Bible talks about the lake of fire and hell being the reason why it's so bad is because we are separated from God. And so when we are in the darkness, when there is darkness, there can be no light found. And as we'll see in a moment, the light is God. Jesus is the light. Number two, underneath the darkness, number two, Roman, or the indicators. What are the indicators of darkness? How, as a, as a person that's in the light, how can I um, understand and identify someone who is in the darkness? These are some of the indicators. Romans 7, chapter 7, verse 5. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in the members to bear fruit for death to bear fruit for death. Look at um, verse 12 once again. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. And then verse, and then the verse prior, 11. Take discern, or I'm sorry, verse 11, verse 10, sorry. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. The unfruitful works of darkness. These are the unfruitful works of darkness. As we just read, the flesh, sinful passions aroused by the law, being able to bear fruit for death. Bear fruit for death. That's what the darkness is about. Galatians 5, 19 through through 21. You will notice this text because later on we're gonna read the rest, the fruits of the Spirit. But what comes before the fruits of the Spirit are the fruits of darkness, The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are the indicators of darkness. If you are in these things, if we live a part of these things, Romans 12, one through two, it says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are called, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are ambassadors of this earth. Just like an ambassador will go over to another country and will represent that country. We are not of this country. We are of a higher country, and we are called to represent that country. We're called to represent um, heaven and the ways of heaven. We are Christians. We represent Christ, just like those of us are Americans or um, whatever, whatever we are. We represent our nation, and our nation, and our person that we represent is Christ. The last one, Ephesians 4, 17 through 22 as we read this morning, and we won't read it again, but I'm gonna go through a couple of the things in that, um, that text. 
They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practicing every kind of impurity. So put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Put it off. It's no longer a part of us. When we have the light, when we are the light, we're not putting it under a bushel, as said in Matthew chapter 5. We're not hiding our light. We're letting it shine before everyone. We're letting it shine before others so that they may see our light. So how do we get the light? Where does the light come from? Number two, the present. The present. So we have the past. What is darkness? Where does it come from? How to, how to know how to, um, how to tell what is in the darkness. Number two, what is the light? The present. Or if you're taking the other ones, the light. Where is it found? Where is it found? If we turn to verse, um, verse 8, or sorry, verse 9, we'll see where it's found. Verse 9. Well, let's go ahead and read verse 8 and 9. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So we were once darkness. We were darkness. But now, because we are darkness, we have to get our light from someone else. And as we see in this text, our light comes from the Lord. And when we are in the Lord and he is in us, we find our light and we are become light because a darkness is no longer a part of our spiritual um, bodies. And then, that, and then the next thing, we find it in all that is good, true, and right in verse 9. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5-7 through seven says this, This is a message we have heard from him, and we proclaim to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all sins. We look at the themes of, of the book of Ephesians, and the Apostle Paul, when, reading, or when writing to the church of Ephesus, he focuses a lot on this aspect of togetherness, unity in the body of, in the body of Christ. We, us, as the church, as the body of Christ, we are to live in this light. We are to live in love. We are to live in light. We are to live in wisdom because that's what he calls us to here. First John 4, uh, 1, 4 and 5, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. God is the light. Jesus is the light. So how do we get the light? By getting Jesus. By Jesus coming and plucking us out, and by giving us that light. John eight twelve. again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is our life, and he is our light. We need to walk in him. So what does it look like to walk in the light of Christ? We know where it comes from. It comes from Christ. But how do we get that light and how do we walk in that light to be a light for others in this world? 
Number two, number two, underneath um, walking in light or the present, the indicators of light. What are the indicators of the light? How do we know if we're walking in the light? How do we know if others are walking in the light? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We already went through the previous verses and saw the fruits of darkness. The fruit of the Spirit, when God is within us, are these. We love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of these are the fruits of the Spirit. And we see that in verse 9. For the fruit of light, for the fruit of truth, for the fruit of the Spirit. We already looked at the light. Who is the light? The light is God. He is Jesus. He is the Holy Spirit. And so how do we live by that light? We do the fruits of the Spirit. We love, as we already looked at this morning. When we love, love is the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then the second of these is love your neighbor as yourself. And if we really think about that, when we love our neighbor as ourself, we really have to think deep about how much we love ourselves. Because I think, myself included, I think about myself a lot. And I think about, um, I think about um, what, uh, if, if I'm thinking about myself, then those same thoughts, those same things that I do to please myself, I should be doing for others, for my neighbor, because that's who we're supposed to love. We're not called to love ourselves. Never in the Bible does it say to love yourself. We're called to love others as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us on the cross. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, like we just looked at. Therefore, be imitators of God. Walk in love as Christ loved you, us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He sacrificed his life for us, and we are called to be sacrificing our life for others. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I think I read this earlier. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and imperfect. We're supposed to live according to the will of God. How do we do and how do we live the will of God? How do we know what the will of God is? Right here. The only way to know what the will of God is, the only way to live an acceptable and good and perfect life as Christ and look to God and to discern what the will of God is, is we have to know the Bible. We have to know his word. If we don't read his word, if we don't know what he said, then we can't live by it because we don't know anything. We don't know anything about his word. But as we present ourselves as living sacrifices, I'm putting off myself because what are we? We are darkness. We were darkness. And I'm putting away that darkness. I am putting off the old self as mentioned in Ephesians chapter four. And I'm putting on the new self, the selfless person, the person that's looking for the benefit of others, the person that is going to give up my fleshly desires for the desires of a higher calling, which is God 
and to be that light in the world, just like the lights in New York that are giving off their light and everybody sees that and they know exactly what what has transpired 20 years ago and the heroism that happened on that day that people sacrificed their lives for others in the great tragedy that happened. People should be able to look at us and know that we would give our lives just like Christ gave his life for us. And that's why we do it, because he gave his life already. And so we are always willing and able to give our lives for others. And that doesn't mean that we literally die for someone else, but, but spiritually and physically, we do. We do die for others. We put off our, those things that we talked about in Galatians 19, or Galatians 5, or I'm sorry, Galatians 5, 19 and 21, the works of the flesh. We put off sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, dis, uh, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and others like this. We put off those things, and we put on the light of Christ. So this morning, the last and final point, what do we do? The future. So we have the past. What was our past? We were at darkness. We found what the darkness is and where it comes from. We looked at what it was and what it looked like so we can know exactly what the darkness is. We looked at then the present. What's now? What are we now? As a believer, we are the light. We are in the light of the Lord because Christ is the light in us and he is the light of the Lord. So we looked at what the light is. It's Christ. God is the light. And when we have Christ, when we have God, he is light in us. And then we moved to what that looks like. What does it look like to have God living in you? What does it look like to have the light of the world living within you? What does that look like? And now we're gonna look at the future. What do we do about that light? What do we do now that we know where the light comes from and what it is? Number one, what should we do? Number one, verse number 10 and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Number one, discernment. Be discerning in our times, in our lives. You have to discern what is right and what is pleasing to the Lord. And the only way to know what is discerning to the Lord, the only way to know what the will of the Lord is, is to know his word. First John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. I hope that you go home this week and I hope that you look into what I've, what, what I've spoken today. I hope you don't take my word for it. I hope that you look into, I hope you study the word of God because you have to be discerning. We have to be discerning. There's so many different sides in our, in our world today. We have different sides in every single thing. There's no unity Outside of the church, there's no unity anymore. It's all dissension. It's all division. And so as the body of Christ, this is where we should have unity because we have Christ and we're all lights. And so we should have unity in Christ. And we need to be discerning on what we hear. We need to be discerning on the decisions that we make. You want to know how to be discerning? Read the book of Proverbs. 
The book of Proverbs is from someone who may not have been very discerning himself, but he sure knew how to be discerning because God told him how. And God gave him the wisdom. And so if you want true wisdom from God, we read his Bible and we get discernment. Number two, we found in verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. It's not good enough just to put off the old and to put on the new. If we're a light, we don't take our light and we don't go somewhere else. We take our light and we put it in the middle of darkness. And we put it in the middle of darkness to expose that darkness. And when the darkness is exposed, everything around you becomes very evident. We see that in verse, uh, verse 13. But when anything, anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. When you put a lamp in the middle of a dark, uh, in the middle of a dark Nevada desert, it's going to light a lot, a lot of space. When you put a, a, a small candle in the middle of complete pitch darkness, that light is going to be seen for a long ways because that's the beacon of hope. That's the beacon of light. So be discerning. Expose the dark. Number two, expose the dark. Uh, John chapter one, verses four and five, I read it earlier. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness will not overcome the light. The light will always shine brighter than the darkness. And then First Thessalonians 5, 5 through 8. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, they sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. We have a lot of people who have um, worked in um, a lot of first responders and things like that in our church this morning. And I'm sure that any of them will tell you that what happens at night, what happens in the darkness, is a lot different than what happens in the daytime, what happens in the light. And that's because when we do things in the light, we know that that will be exposed. We know that we'll get caught. But what happens at night can be hidden. It can be darkness. You can do a lot. Um, The darkness is overwhelming. And that's why we have in our world today as most will probably tell you, and maybe if I'm wrong, please help me out, but um, as most will probably tell you is that the darkness is everywhere. And at night and in the darkness, people do dark things. They do evil because that's, and, and not only there is a physical aspect, it's physically, when it's physically dark, but not only that, but when it's spiritually dark, when you are darkness, you are going to do evil and you will be um, in the evil. Number three, number three, verse 12. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Don't, uh, no corrupt speech. There should be no corrupt speech. Philippians 4, chapter four, verse eight. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy or of praise, think on these things. 
Don't think on the evil. Don't think on the darkness. That's, that's our past. We don't have to worry about that anymore. We don't have to talk about that anymore. We expose the darkness, and that should be the only things that we, that we discuss in, or that we expose. We should not talk about these evils and these, um, these things that are going on. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Does talking about what the darkness does in private, in secret, does that give glory and grace for those who hear? It doesn't to me. I don't think it does to anybody else. In all reality, it's, it's more darkness, and it brings more darkness to our light, and it's the basket is coming over. But our light shines bright, and so everything that we talk about, everything that we discuss should be, as this verse says, fitting for the occasion for building up the saints, that it may give grace to those who hear. The final thing this morning, number four, verse 14, verse 14 says this. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awake, wake up, get out of the darkness. When you're sleeping, when it's at night, this is a physical example. It's night, it's dark, wake up, get to work. The work is not finished. There's darkness all over. So how do we get this light? How do we wake up? How do we go and spread this gospel? Isaiah 60, verse one. This is the quote from Isaiah 60, verse one, that we are to awake, awake from our sleeping so that we may serve the Lord. And so I call, I would, I would challenge us this morning, including myself, all of us, that we should awake from our sleep. There are many Christians it's, it's becoming easier and easier every day to live like a Christian because our world is becoming darker and darker every day. And maybe it's not only our world becoming darker, but the darkness was in, and now the darkness is coming out, and we're being able to see that darkness come out. And so every day, we as believers, our light gets brighter and brighter. And when the darkness tries to drown the light, we have to become even brighter to drown out the darkness. And so how do we do that? How do we wake up? How do we accept Christ? If you are in the darkness this morning, you are called to accept Christ, and you're called to become a light. And in order to become a light, we have to put off the darkness. We have to die to ourselves, as mentioned in Romans chapter 12. We have to become a living sacrifice, and we have to live for the will, of the, the will of God. And so in order to do that, we have to recognize our sin, we have to repent of that sin, and we have to follow Jesus, and we be a light to this world. Will you bow with me in prayer? Lord in heaven, thank you so much for allowing us to come here this morning to learn about your word, to learn what you've called us for, to learn how to be imitators of you, as our greatest calling in life, to be an imitator of you and your son, to walk in love as you did on this earth, 
to walk in the light as you are the light. And we're so thankful for that because, Lord, if we were the light, we know we could not shine. And so we're so thankful for you being the light. As Paul saw your glory, the light, and it blinded him because it was so bright. We're so thankful that you shine in our lives. And we pray this morning that we would continue to shine in the world, that people would look at us and say, I want to be like that person. I want to be the light, and I want to be an imitator of Christ. I pray this morning that you would have um, your hand in this week. Help us to live as children of the light and to imitate you in everything that we do. And I pray all these things in your name.